If the New Orleans Saints get their quarterback situation solved in free agency, they should focus on building up playmakers in the NFL draft. We got all of that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked On Saints. You are Locked On Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into another episode of Locked on Saints, your daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much as always, making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget, we're free and available on all podcast apps and on YouTube as well. And I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter, your New Orleans Saints expert credential member of the media, CrescentCitySports.com, USA Today, Saints Wire, Tuesdays on Locked on NFL. And here with you every single Monday through Friday and then some on Locked on Saints. On today's episode of Locked on Saints, we're going through some listener mock drafts because somebody hit an absolute home run with just a three-round mock draft. So we'll take a look at that and another big-time winner. Then we'll take a look as well at uh, a potential number one overall recruit making his way to New Orleans in the NFL draft. I'll tell you who it is and why they're a good fit. But first, what's the most exciting thing? that the New Orleans Saints can do in this year's NFL draft. And I asked this question because I'm going to be honest, the Saints did some exciting things last year, right? We weren't really sure. People weren't really sure about the Alante Taylor selection in the second round up until we saw him out on the field. And it was like, oh, okay, we get it. But in the first round, there were a lot of things to be excited about. I did an episode the night of the first round after they traded up for Chris Olave and selected Trevor Penning, talking about how the Saints just knocked it out of the park. And I still believe that. I know we didn't get to see much of Trevor Penning because of the injuries. He had the uh, the toe injury to begin the season, had the Liz Frank injury to end the season, unfortunately. But those were still exciting selections between he and Chris Olave in the first round. We all know how good Chris Olave turned out throughout 2022, looking to take a step forward in 2023. So now, Thinking about the sort of exciting things that the Saints could potentially do, who are some of the most exciting prospects that they could land in the first round, whether they stand pat at 29 or potentially move around as well as we know the New Orleans Saints are apt to do? So I've got 10 names here for you that would personally excite me if the New Orleans Saints selected them. But of course, this show is about you. So I want to also hear from you what you who you believe would be the most exciting selection. Now, of course, I'm going to keep this pretty simple. I've got 10 names for you that are non-QBs, right? Because we know any quarterback that they traded up and, and, and drafted, whether it be Bryce Young, whether it be uh, you know Anthony Richardson, even Will Levis or CJ Stroud, if they trade up and grab one of those four guys, it's going to be exciting. To an extent, if they stay at 29 and they draft a Hendon Hooker who's gone through the combine, who's gone through some workouts, who's gone through if he gets there by the end of March, as we understand he will. Uh, as if he's you know gone through all the medicals, everything looks really good, and then he'll be ready for training camp, then boom, right? That is that is very exciting. So let's focus on the non-QBs here. So I'm going to start off on wide receivers, because this is what the Saints did that excited everyone last year. Traded up, made sure that they got their guy. They went into last year's draft knowing they wanted to leave with Chris Olave, so they made sure that they went and got him. Yeah, they moved around in order to make it happen. Some folks will tell you that the trades weren't worth it because they're looking at it all in a vacuum, whatever. None of that matters. They got the guy that they wanted. That's what you're supposed to do in the NFL draft. And so if they wanted to follow up on that, they could comfortably move around here in the first round to get in position of really 
any of the top wide receivers that they want. Let's start off with TCU wide receiver Quentin Johnson, big bodied guy, probably exactly the mold that the Saints could be looking for, especially if they end up moving on from Michael Thomas or they want to have somebody ready in place of Michael Thomas. The Michael Thomas situation is one that's going to be really interesting to see how it all works out. They've already saved the money on his contract for 2023. Are they willing to let the guarantees set in for 2024, or are they going to try to redo that contract again with him and keep him in New Orleans, or will they end up moving on from him? There's effectively three options that the Saints have. Two of them include him staying on the team. So we'll see how it all goes. It does look more like it's headed towards a split, but we'll see, right? None of us are fortune tellers at this time. But Quentin Johnson could be somebody that you draft, whether you keep Michael Thomas around or not, so you have somebody for your post-Michael Thomas days, right? So I really like what Quentin Johnson can bring as a guy that could be a top 15 selection. So you got to take a big jump in order to get him. But hey, if you decide, just like Chris Olave, that he's worth it, then he's worth it. USC uh, quarter, or not quarterback, sorry, USC wide receiver, formerly Pitt wide receiver, Jordan Addison, as well as Ohio State wide receiver Jackson Smith in Jigba. Both of these guys would excite the living crap out of me, especially Jackson Smith in Jigba. You want a contested catch guy that can be a threat downfield at all three levels, that can run, you know, the underneath routes if you wanted to, that can create after the catch. He does it all. Jordan Addison's up there as well as a guy that, you know, it's probably going to measure in around six foot by the time that the combine rolls around, but plays much bigger than that, can be a contested catch guy for you as well. Doesn't have the same kind of breakaway speed that Jackson Smith in Jigba has, but he's not slow by any stretch of the imagination. You'll see that at the combine. Uh, let's roll with two more wide receivers here. Zay Flowers out of Boston College, adding him in with Chris Olave and Rashid Shahid. That's like playing Madden back in 2006, right? <laughs> that's what that is. Where maybe you don't go for the big contested catch guy. You just want the guy that's not necessarily going to get the 50-50 balls, but that's just going to let you run all verticals every single play. Uh, kind of look at it as like NFL blitz and running those all goes. That's what Zay Flowers brings you. He's a very exciting player with a very exciting skill set. And honestly, a bit of an eclectic skill set as well, much like our final wide receiver that we'll look at here, Jalen Hyatt out of Tennessee. Now, there's a specific connection here that makes a lot of sense as well. Cody Burns, who is the New Orleans Saints wide receiver coach, formerly of the Tennessee Volunteers, worked with Jalen Hyatt. Um, helped sort of get that offense installed with that Josh Heupel system, had maybe a little bit more of a connection with Cedric Wilson, who, by the way, could be a selection if the Saints don't want to take a wide receiver in the first round, but they're willing to grab one in the second round. Cedric Wilson would be fantastic. 6'2", 200 so, 205 or so pounds, gives you pretty much everything that you're looking for, plus burners in terms of the speed. Jalen Hyatt gives you that as well. Not as tall, not as big of a frame as his former teammate, Cedric Wilson, but he is somebody for sure that can go and win some contested catches for you as well. All right, let's stick with the offense here. I got two names for you at running back. I'm usually a guy that's not really for the idea of drafting a running back in the first round, but hey, at the bottom of the first round, teams are going to use their picks how they want to use their picks. Ain't none of my business. Bijan Robinson is really the only, only running back out there that's really viable when it comes to a first round pick. Even I would say, wait, see if he's there in the second round, which he probably won't be. And I know that very, very well. I'm a little averse to the idea of spending a first round pick on a Bijan Robinson. But I mean, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and tell you that Bijan Robinson isn't going to be exciting in the NFL. He is. He's going to be one of those guys that ends up coming in and having a huge impact immediately. And so if you want to spend a first round pick on a player that's going to have an immediate, uh, an immediate impact, 
Bijan Robinson is also that guy. So I could talk myself into this, but I also understand that a lot of people are very excited about Bijan Robinson. And we all would be very excited, I'm sure, to be able to cover him here in New Orleans. You would be excited to watch him here in New Orleans. So obviously, he's somebody to point out as a first-round pick. The only other potential running back that could sneak into the first round, by my estimation, is Jameer Gibbs, the Alabama running back. You want somebody that's Alvin Kamara, but younger and coming out of an Alabama system, the SEC, just like Alvin Kamara was. Remember, he was with Alabama, then he transferred to Tennessee. All the connections are there. Jameer Gibbs could be a really, really exciting option for New Orleans if they don't grab him at 29, which again, I'd be very hesitant about, especially because he has a slighter frame than Bijan Robinson. So the things that make me sort of weary about drafting a running back, which are the injuries, the wear and tear, all of those things, maybe more of a concern for Gibbs than they are for Bijan Robinson, who's a bigger build. But if you can get Gibbs at 40, also extremely exciting. All right. Like I mentioned, trading for a quarterback, always exciting. So you know those names. Uh, We hit those uh, a little bit earlier. So let's wrap up on the defensive line, because this is very likely where the Saints are going to go in the first round. Just considering all the needs, you have a needed edge rusher. They just brought back Tano Passanio, who can play inside and out for you. Great stuff for them. I think that was a, a two-year, $6 million deal. So getting him to stick around in New Orleans is awesome for New Orleans uh, or awesome for the Saints. But you want to add more talent, particularly on the interior. But there are some edge rushers that might be worth your time as well. I'll start with one edge rusher, get to you to two interiors to wrap us up here. Iowa State edge rusher Will McDonald IV. Now, he is well below the Saints' usual prototype. He's probably going to come in at something like six foot three, 240, maybe might get up to 250 pounds by the time that he gets into the NFL. So he's going to have to bulk up when he when he gets there, uh, weighed in at 241 when he was at the Senior Bowl. So you're looking for him maybe to bulk up a little bit in order to fit the Saints mold, but maybe the mold is starting to change. And the reason why I like a guy like Will McDonald IV, and I would go outside of the prototype to draft him, is because the Saints deal with so much when it comes to mobile quarterbacks and having a guy that's as athletic, that brings that burst, that brings the pass rushing moves as well, all the things that he brings to the table like a Will McDonald IV, makes a ton of sense for New Orleans. So two interior guys, though, that I'm looking at, Kalijah Canty. Wait till you see the combine. If if you're still not on board with Kalijah Canty because of his size, I get it. Uh, Six foot, like 280 pounds or so, but he can put on a little bit more weight if you need him to. But uh, wait till you see the combine, then you'll be very excited about what Kalijah Canty can bring. And then I'll wrap up with Baylor defensive tackle Siaki Ika, who's a little bit more like that nose tackle, a little bit more Malcolm Brownish, which you know the Saints had in New Orleans. They traded him away to Jacksonville, and, and they've spent every moment since then trying to find another big nose tackle type. Siaki Ika could absolutely be that guy. And if you can get him and then also retain David on Yamada, you've got Tano Passanio, and then you can build out a couple of those younger guys as well. Maybe Shy Tuttle, maybe Malcolm Roach stick around. Don't go and follow Ryan Nielsen to Atlanta then you have completely rebuilt your um, interior defensive line with one addition, which is really, really solid for New Orleans. So those are 10 names that could be extremely exciting for the New Orleans Saints, were they to land them in the first round of this year's NFL draft. Make sure you send me your names. Who would you be most excited about in this year's draft as well? Coming up next, what about getting a number one, former number one overall college recruit here in New Orleans. They can get it done, and I'll tell you how here in just a moment as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. In today's episode of Locked on Saints, brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel Sportsbook, America's number one sportsbook, the NFL's official partner when it comes to sportsbooks as well. Because right now, I want to tell you about 
what you can get as a new user. So if it's your first time and if you're a new customer to FanDuel, you can get a no sweat first bet of up to $1,000. That's bonus bets that you get back if your first bet doesn't win, which means that there's no losing over at FanDuel. All you have to do is download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today. It's safe, it's secure, and it's super easy to use. You're going to be able to bet on everything. With these NBA games, they continue to roll along. You got the money line, sure. You got the spread, sure. But you've also got point scores. You've got threes drained. You could do a parlay with a bunch of different ones. You could do same game parlays as well to guarantee yourself or, or to, to try to nail yourself a, a bigger payout. So don't miss your chance for your no sweat first bet of up to $1,000 in bonus bets. All you have to do is go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more today. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, family, continuing on with today's uh, episode of Locked on Saints. It's our Mock Draft Monday episode, so we're taking a look at uh, Damian Parson of TDN, as well as Locked on NFL Draft's first round mock draft, where in the first round with the Saints standing pat at 29, he brought in the nation's former number one overall recruit for the New Orleans Saints. Appreciate you so much, as always, making Locked on Saints your first listen or view of the day. So in Damian's mock draft, at pick 29, he had the Saints standing pat and taking Brian Bressy, the interior offensive lineman, out of Clemson. Now, I know that the Saints have not had the greatest luck when it comes to defensive linemen over the course of the last couple of selections they spent in the first round when it comes to that position, right? Uh, obviously, Peyton Turner, we still don't know, but the injuries, his time, you know, him not being able to get on the field, him being a, a healthy scratch toward the end of last season, all of those things are disappointing for a first round prospect. Marcus Davenport has been disappointing as a first round prospect over the course of his five years so far, with the exception of one like nine and a half sack season where everyone was like, oh, okay, maybe he's turning the corner, just didn't really live up to that here in 2022. So now in 2023, you've expected New Orleans Saints to address the defensive line, as we were discussing earlier. And Brian Bressy, going back to what the Saints have done on the interior defensive line, works pretty well for what it is that they like. They drafted Sheldon Rankins. That was successful. They've done some good things in terms of getting uh, talent. Of course, they drafted David Onyemata. They've done some good job. They've done some good things when it came to getting talent in the interior defensive line through the draft. They could do it again here. Here's what Damian had to say. The Saints continue to take swings at their defensive line with this pick. Brian Bressy has been uh, hampered by injuries and by other situations during his stint in Clemson. I'll clarify that in a moment. Uh, Bressy is physically gifted. Uh, to rush from multiple alignments. He defends the run well and can collapse the pocket as a single gap penetration style rusher. That's exactly what the New Orleans Saints need in their defense. Does he check the boxes? 6'5", going to be over 300 pounds? Yes. So he gives you sort of the, the, the usual prototype that you're accustomed to seeing. Unlike somebody that we've discussed before in Lucas Van Ness, he's got a ton of starting experience. He did, unfortunately, have an ACL injury uh, after just four games in 2021. And then the the sort of nod to the other thing that Damian was mentioning here is that in 2022, he played 10 games that followed the loss of his younger sister, Ella, who was battling cancer. Uh, and, and and passed in September. So that that's that's what that acknowledgement is. It's not like an off-field issue thing that he had to battle through or anything like that. It, it, I mean, it was, but it's not like he went out there and got in trouble, right? It was something that he was dealing with from his personal life. So, you know, he he declared for the NFL draft uh, in January. So he was very ready to come out. Bressy has logged a total of only nine sacks in his career, 15 tackles for a loss. But do remember that he's rushing from the interior so sack numbers aren't really indicative of what it is that he does as a whole. Also, keep in mind, 
that he was sort of reduced to playing a bit of a, I want to see how Damien described it here, uh, that he basically ended up playing a heads up rushing position from the interior that oftentimes was over center. So that ended up kind of reducing his ability to be impactful. But what he would be very good at is being used as a penetrating three tech or B gap rusher. So what that means is your defensive tackle that instead of lining up over the shoulder or right over the nose of a center, that he's over a little bit rushing from between guard and tackle. That's usually your pass rushing interior spot. Now you can get pressure as a nose tackle and right up the middle or as a one tech, which puts you in between the guard and uh, the guard and center as opposed to the guard and tackle. But rushing from between the guard and tackle, that is a place where you're often looking to produce that interior pressure. And he has the tool set to be able to do that. He'll he'll need to, you know, improve a little bit. He's got some humps that he'll have to jump over when he comes to the NFL. That's true for anybody that's coming into the league, but it's not the same type of situation to where you see somebody that's completely underdeveloped. This guy was the number one overall uh, 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 recruit in the country before he showed up at Clemson or when he he took his time to Clemson. So he has this really inherently polished and good skill set played in a good system in Clemson and their defense, and so should be able to translate pretty well to the NFL. And he's not somebody that's going to be specific or hindered by what the scheme is. He's somebody that comes in and you ask him to do whatever, and he'll be able to get it done for you. And especially with the way that the New Orleans Saints rotate their defensive line, which even without Ryan Nielsen in New Orleans, should very much still be a part of what it is that they do consistently, right? Because that's Dennis Allen's system. Dennis Allen likes to rotate. He likes to be able to sub guys out, keep guys fresh, all of that. And so when you're somebody like Brian Bressy, who does have the the ACL injury in his past, who you know is going to have to polish up some of the sort of groundwork that he he's going to bring with him to the NFL, you're not risking a ton when you're heavily rotating these guys, you're not putting him in a position to where he becomes a liability. Instead, you're maximizing what he can do out on the field, putting him in in pass rushing situations, putting him in in uh, late and long distances. So that would mean like third and 10, third and nine, third and longer if you get them there, all of that. So he has that and the ability to be able to move up and down the line, really, really good in the run game as well. And one of the things that um, Damian mentions here in his scouting report or actually, this is Kyle's scouting report. My apologies. Uh, Kyle Krabs over at Locked on Dolphins. He says that one of the things that you should look at when it comes to the expectations around Bressy is whether or not, quote, um, him taking a him taking significant snaps early in his career and whether or not he'll be able to build those, uh, build himself back into being that player. So there's a little bit of a not really development, but just realizing potential part of, of this conversation that maybe makes you a little bit shy around the idea of Brian Bressy, but he has the physical tools. He has a tool set. He has a better pass rushing plan than most of the guys that are coming in or that you know generally come into the NFL. And he's great in the run game as well. So either way, whether he's getting early down snaps or late down snaps as a rotational player within the New Orleans Saints system, he'll be able to have an immediate impact. So that's a way that the New Orleans Saints could potentially get the former number one overall recruit to New Orleans and have a really, really nice foundation upon which to build a guy that could be a long-term answer for them on their interior. Coming up next, we got a couple of listener mock drafts, including one that was an absolute home run that lands not only Hendon Hooker, but new weapons for Hendon Hooker and whatever quarterback will be in New Orleans in 2023 to be able to maximize. We got that coming up for you as we continue on and wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints. 
Let's get it. Houdat Nation, wrap it up today's episode of Locked on Saints with two listener mock drafts that absolutely knocked it out of the park. Let's get straight to it. I want to start off here with our first mock draft, which is only a three-round mock draft, but does get a lot of good stuff going here. This is from Grayson Jenkins at Houdat underscore Jenks. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see uh, the draft here. So he starts off with uh, it picked 29, standing pat, and going with Texas A&M safety Antonio Johnson. Uh, he then circles around, and instead of picking at 40, he trades back, picking up picks 48 and 81. So he adds a third-round pick just by moving four picks back, does this with the uh, Detroit Lions. He also threw in a fourth-round pick as well. Uh, and with pick 48, grabbed Alabama running back Jameer Gibbs, uh, followed up at 71, which is the Saints' original third round selection with Rashi Rice, the wide receiver out of SMU, and then wraps it all up at pick 81 with Hendon Hooker, the Tennessee Volunteers quarterback. So great, great mock there by Grayson. I want to I want to kind of dive into this one a little bit um, and then we'll move on to the next. But I, I do really, really like this draft. And I know that the Saints haven't traded back since 2007. Maybe they decide to do it this time. Maybe they don't. We'll see what happens. But even standing pat and getting those first three picks at 29, 40, and 71 with uh, Antonio Johnson, who a lot of people might say, hey, why grab a safety in the first round? There are good safeties all the way down the draft. That's true. There are guys like Rashad Torrance and Trey Dean can be had later on in the draft. A guy like um, uh, 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 Jair Brown, who would be a uh, coming out of Penn State, probably be second, third round. But Antonio Johnson is one of the few guys that does a little bit of everything really, really well, right? So if you wanted to jump for that, you could. And if you wanted to take him at 29, he is expected to be a first round pick. That's not a reach at all. But the Saints are going to need safety help. Marcus May is going to miss some time very likely in 2023, but he will be back in 2023. That's evident with his contract restructure here recently. They restructured Tyron Matthews contract. He's here for another year. As we expected, that salary was already guaranteed anyway. He wasn't going anywhere to begin with. Uh, but after that, Right now, the Saints don't really have any safeties on the roster. Smoke Monday's on injured reserve. We should see him back in camp, but they've got to re-sign JT Gray. They have to go back after Daniel Sorensen if they want to bring him back. And so adding a young talent like uh, Antonio Johnson makes a ton of sense for the Saints. And then with that trade back, even without the trade back, Landy Jameer Gibbs, as I mentioned earlier, that's an exciting pick for the Saints. I was, I'm a little bit cautious around drafting him in the first round, but getting him in the second round at 40 or in this mock with the trade back to 48 excellent, excellent selection for New Orleans. And that would end up giving them somebody that not only could operate in tandem with and in place of Alvin Kamara, as he looks like he's going to be serving at least a six-game suspension in 2023. Um, it would give you somebody in place of Alvin Kamara later on down the line as well, depending upon how contract and all those other things work out uh, in the near future over the course of the next few years. So good to have that backup plan uh, for Alvin Kamara. Then grabbing Rashi Rice, the wide receiver out of SMU, bigger body guy, going to come in at just over six foot, maybe right at, but should come in over six foot, uh, weighed in you know, pretty well at the Senior Bowl, had great performances at the Senior Bowl, contested catch guy, big body, box out type guy, all that. Probably not somebody that's going to be a full-time like three-level threat, but he can push a little bit if you need him to, but him operating underneath and in the short and intermediate areas would be great, really reliable hands, all of that. So he would be a really good selection for New Orleans. And then of course, being able to still land, um, being able to still land Hendon Hooker, the quarterback out of Tennessee, uh, with that second, third round pick at pick 81, absolute steal for the New Orleans Saints, if that were to be the case. So that's a hard one uh, to argue with, not one that I'm going to argue with, one that I'm going to celebrate instead. I think this one was an absolute home run. And again, that is a early start 
to this draft, right? So that's the piece that makes that really exciting. Okay, let's move on to our next. All right, our next mock draft here is a full seven round mock. We'll really focus on kind of the first four or five picks here, and then we'll narrow down uh, the remaining uh, list down there at the bottom. But uh, starting off with running back Bijan Robinson at pick 29 in the first round, showing you this from uh, E, I'm going to say Easton Sadel. Not sure. Sorry if I pronounced that wrong. My apologies at Sadel. Uh, Easton on Twitter, S-E-I-D-L. Um, not, you know, like I mentioned, I wanted you to see a mock draft here that has a running back in the first round because you won't see many from me. So getting more perspective here is exactly why we do these listener mocks. Uh, edge rusher Tui Tua Polotu out of USC uh, in the second round at 40. Uh, defensive interior or interior defensive lineman, excuse me, out of Florida, uh, Javon Dexter coming in at 71. And at pick 115, you've got a Xavier Hutchinson, the wide receiver out of Ohio State, another big body contested catch type guy. Uh, in round five, the two picks there, Rashad Torrance, the second, as well as Emil Ekior Jr. We've spoken about both of these guys extensively on the show, like them a ton. Uh, pick 229, you get a nice special teamer out of Western Kentucky in Kyle of Hallisey, and then uh, Dante Stills, the West Virginia def- interior defensive lineman, who was a guy that like for a long time was considered to potentially be a potential first round pick or like an early like day two pick or something like that. And now it's just kind of fallen down. He's a little bit, you know, there were like the size question marks and things like that. But to be able to grab him at round seven, knowing that he's had all of this talk before and, you know, all the things that he could potentially turn into and what the expectations were for him early uh, would be really, really nice uh, for New Orleans because it just kind of helps you continue to build out that interior defensive line. All right. So the top four picks are the ones that I really want to focus on here. So starting this draft off with Bijan Robinson, again, that's one of those ones that we highlighted as being one of the most exciting selections that the Saints could make here in 2023, regardless of my personal preferences about drafting running backs high. I also have a personal preference of not drafting tight ends in the first round because tight ends very rarely become immediate impact players. Bijan Robinson does not check that box. He is an immediate impact player. So taking him at 29 is one that I won't have my biggest uh, gripes about. Uh, and you, look, you, you don't know how much longer you've got Alvin Kamara. You don't know how much you're going to have him in 2023. You don't know what you're going to be able to find in free agency when it comes to running back. I know I did an episode on Friday about Tony Pollard. Does he ever actually get out of Dallas? We'll see. He's got to want to leave Dallas in order for that to happen. Completely possible, but we'll see what happens. So landing somebody like him or Rashad Penny or you know even you know trying to bring in somebody else that's maybe not uh, got a ton of uh, run in the NFL like a Dearness Johnson could make a lot of sense for New Orleans. But you want somebody that can run between the tackles and then be really exciting next to Alvin Kamara, Bijan Robinson's that guy. Uh, Tuli Tuipolotu, getting him in the second round probably feels a little bit better than getting him in the first round, but he has produced quite a bit as uh, as an edge rusher and as a defensive lineman. I, I like Tuli Tuipolotu a lot. I think there are a lot of people who, if he was drafted in the first round, would try to give those comparisons to Marcus Davenport and Peyton Turner. But then if he was drafted just 10 picks later, we'd be talking about him as a steal. So getting him at 40 probably logs him into that second spot as opposed to not being held to the unfair sort of lack of development of the other guys that are around. In the third round, getting Javon Dexter, the reason why I like this pick so much is because it allows us to take a look at the Todd Grantham effect, right? The Saints brought in former Florida Gators defensive coordinator Todd Grantham to be their defensive line coach. I spoke to Trey Dean, uh, safety that's going to be in this year's draft about uh, Grantham and what he brings to the Saints. And he mentioned that he's a defensive line specialist. So could that connection with a guy like Javon Dexter, who checks all the boxes in terms of prototype and everything already, 
have an even greater draw because Grantham is in New Orleans. That pick would make a lot of sense, especially in the third round. If you're getting a a fresh edge rusher and a fresh interior defensive lineman in the second and third rounds, I'm all about that for the New Orleans Saints. Uh, I think if you check those two boxes in the first four rounds without grabbing somebody that's super prototypical, but not fully developed like a Keon White out of Georgia Tech, I would feel really, really good. Uh, And then wide receiver, uh, Xavier Hutchinson at 115, as I mentioned just a second ago, somebody that absolutely is like your contested catch, big body guy, can be a good blocker for you, comes from that run heavy, you know, conference of the Big Ten outside of, of course, Ohio State and all that, and also can go out there and win some 50-50 balls for you as well, despite how much Iowa or Iowa State might run the football. He's a big part of what they did in the passing game as well. So really, really good mocks by both these guys. Thank you very much for the submissions. Make sure you're submitting your mock drafts for Mock Draft Monday every week as well. You can send them to me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, NOLA, of course. All right, let me tell you what we got coming up throughout the rest of the week. Tomorrow is Tuesday, No Cap Tuesday. We're going to be joined by Brad Spielberger, cap specialist over at Pro Football Focus, as well as a contributor over at Over the Cap, and is usually always out there spreading the good word when it comes to the New Orleans Saints and their salary cap situation. So he and I do a quick breakdown of the Saints salary cap, why this might work for them, why you know you shouldn't be down on them just because of the salary, how they have continued to sort of redefine the ways that contracts are done in the NFL, all of that, as well as go over some team needs to wrap up the show as well. So we'll have that for you. Darian Gray from Lots on HBCU is going to come through on Wednesday to talk about three to five uh, HBCU prospects that make sense for the New Orleans Saints. We were just there covering the Legacy Bowl. So uh, we're bringing some stuff over from the Legacy Bowl there. And then uh, in the next couple of weeks, we're also going to hear from more of our Locked On College teams, including we'll bring in Brandon Olson from Locked On Gators to discuss a little bit of the Todd Grantham effect and how you know which defensive linemen or defenders that could potentially pull from Florida in this year's draft. So we got a whole bunch of stuff coming up for you here throughout the week. Don't miss Brad Spielberger tomorrow at PFF Brad on Twitter. All right, y'all. Appreciate you as always making Locked On Saints your first listen of the day every day. For your second listen, make sure you go and check out Locked On NFL Draft. Host Damian Parson as well as Keith Sanchez provide in-depth coverage for all of the biggest NFL draft prospect names with deep dives into, into the sleepers and hidden gems that could end up changing the New Orleans Saints and other NFL franchises. Find Locked On NFL Draft wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube as well. Part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much as always. For making Locked on Saints a part of your day, part of your routine for saying yes to me and the show. As always, if you see me, say hi. And if you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints, make sure you follow me on Twitter or at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're moming them. And trust you, that nation, I'll holla at you.